We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. All right, so the 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 goal is for us to talk about COVID nineteen. Like everybody's not tired of talking about COVID nineteen. So anybody have any uh you know one thing to me makes podcast interesting is something controversial. So what what do we think about what's controversial about COVID nineteen? I would say there's a quite a few people like at the point where we're at right now. You, you see these these other kind of like this other side sparking up going. I don't believe it's real or it's not that big a deal anymore. Um, you have governors kind of loosening reins. Is it good? Is it bad? I, I don't know. But I guess controversial would be there's a lot of opinions out there right now that are kind of telling the scientist it's not true. To me, every bad movie started with someone saying or, or ignoring a scientist. You know, every, every right. like catastrophe movie started with someone ignoring a scientist in a way. Or really so, every horror I, I, movie, right? Starts with some kind of right. deal where anybody normal would have got out, right? I'm leaving this house. Let's go into this tool shed right. full of sharp saws yeah. <laughs> instead of the car. Yeah, let's run back into the house where the spooky character yeah. is. So it's just, I would say it's just like shockingly, um, the numbers are shocking as far as how many people are just going, yeah, doctor's wrong. <laughs> or that, that PhD doesn't know what he's talking about or, or whatever. Right. And so that, that's been kind of eye opening within even my own like realm of context in general. Well, the deal, you know, we fought wars where we lost hundreds of thousands. I mean, how many people we lose in world war two, hundreds of thousands of people for our freedom and for our economy. Right. And, and I guess a lot of, you know, there are people who are feeling at what point is it really, you know, especially if they find out this is here forever. Well, I mean, the the interesting part is, yeah, and people are always interested in sacrificing people until it's their grandma. Right. Until so it's their it's, own. Which is no different than war. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly right. Yeah, but it, it, and there it, it comes back to at what price? You know, it, it, what is your, um, you know, the, the French in World War II just kind of laid over and said, you know, Germans, come on in. Because they didn't want to lose grandma, right? And at what price? What do y'all think it's made pharmacists kind of step out of their comfort zones and do that's different than before? I mean, I think the easy one is it it accelerated their pace of change to a point where they just had to do something. You know, there there's been a lot of kind of stagnant, well, I'm always worried about DIR fees or I'm worried about you know, the big bad wolf down the street at CVS, this brought out, hey, if I don't change something, I can't physically open my store. So I think the the clock on innovation just got accelerated by probably years. Well, what are what do you think some of those things are? Um, I mean, I think we're going to see pharmacist fill positions like nurse practitioners and PAs did in the late 90s when there was a huge primary care physician shortage. We still have that shortage. We have a bigger need of people to get healthcare, and pharmacists are on every corner. They're open. They've been providing good advice for a long period of time. 
So in addition to things like curbside and drive through I think you're going to start seeing pharmacists doing point-of-care testing, probably getting paid to do point-of-care testing, um, and frankly, probably doing some additional medication management services because where people are sick with coronavirus going to the hospital or the ER, you've got pharmacies that can now provide those same types of primary care services at that point. So I, I think you're going to see pharmacists take a step into primary care med management more than just straight up dispensing. I would, I would even say it's even like had that a little bit of that impact on the consumer, right? You, you get people now, like just regular people I've talked to that I know in my circles too, that are like, you know, maybe the pharmacist can do that. You know, where they were getting out and, and trying to think about how do I get a test? Who do I talk to about telehealth or whatever? Or I'm feeling this way or something like that. I think you're even getting more people than, than traditionally who already feel that way. More people that didn't typically feel that way kind of go, maybe my pharmacist can do this. Or maybe they have a way of, of getting to that. I mean, if you look at it, like in 2008, when I graduated, very few pharmacies did flu vaccines. Now it's a it's kind of crazy if a pharmacy doesn't do flu vaccines. So things like that where you've got, I can go to the pharmacy and get my A1C checked, or I can have them, you know, pop into a telemedicine group and get my blood pressure checked or ears, throat, things like that that just would have seemed bonkers five years ago now suddenly seem like a great idea. So one of the one of the things about viruses, you know, you look at animal populations, you know, whether it's deer or something like that, anytime that gets overpopulated, a virus usually comes in and calls the weak. Probably going to happen in business today. So who are the losers? Who's going to who's going to be losing out? And it's really really talking about healthcare. You know, who who's losing out in the healthcare world and and who if they don't evolve really quickly is not going to be here in 2 years. I mean, I think the easy answer is if you don't have some form of drive-through delivery or curbside, you're not here in six months. Um, so you have to adapt right now. You should be doing drive-through curbside delivery today. Yeah. So grandma, who's been saying forever, hey, I love my pharmacy. I'm not switching the mail order. Doesn't want to get out. And if her pharmacy is not delivering or some way for her to get that safe, she may go ahead and check that box. And, and it's interesting, you know, actually Mark and I were talking earlier in, in my office and, you know, people are always afraid of that, the, the Amazon monster of, well, they can make it cheap and convenient. Well, all of that's true, but there are industries that did well, even in the face of Amazon and some even within that same subgroup, right? Um, Circuit City doesn't exist today, but not because Amazon killed them, but because the experience of going to Circuit City was terrible. You know, and Best Buy adapted to where now when you walk into a Best Buy, you can see the devices. It looks at how it's going to feel in your home. I like going there and they're actually doing quite well. Um, you know, independent booksellers started going extinct. And then all of a sudden you're starting to see them come back up because people want to go talk to somebody who knows who they are, who makes good recommendations about books. And so Amazon hurt the weak initially, but the strong who were willing to adapt and make an amazing experience did really well. And I think a lot of pharmacies can take that and say, if I can do curbside or delivery and make that experience the same as when they came into my store or better, they'll do fine. And probably some of the stronger ones will do even better than they were doing before because they've 
given somebody an amazing experience. They kind of learn how to take their current model, I guess, in a way, revamp it and still push it out and extend it beyond their four walls. Does curbside feel better than drive-through? It's weird. I, I went to Best Buy yesterday to pick up a camera curbside and it was amazing. I didn't, it didn't feel like drive-through, you know, like I came in, I got my stuff. They came out, said hi, handed me my stuff and I left and it didn't feel weird or icky or I, I, I personally hate drive-through a little less now that I have a two-year-old, but in general, I didn't like going through that window. It felt un- impersonal, but curbside didn't feel that way at all to me. Mm. So with the right technology. Yeah, no, I would say curbside probably feels a little better than drive through I don't like being in a queue in a line, right? Like, and to me, curbside gives you that option of, of, okay, cool. I get a little satisfaction, but I get to park here in the spot. They're ready for me. And they're kind of multitasking in a way, right? You have some people zooming in, zooming out. You'll have a person work in this section. This section. It's almost like waiting tables in a way. And I, so I, I felt like curbside is just a... a a way better experience to me than drive through because you're you're not in a queue, right? You're not in a line. You are, and you're not, right? Well, and, and part of the curbside experience that I like over drive through is when somebody pulls into a drive through window, it's kind of a surprise. You know, you pull in, and then you're like, "What do you want?" You have to give them your name and all the other information. At curbside, it was you pull up, you either call or you know hit a button that says "I'm here," and they know where you're at. They come and tell you what you you know you tell them ahead of time what you're coming to get. And it was just a very kind of smooth, seamless experience. And if pharmacy can do that well, I could see curbside being a staple of how medications are delivered to patients, whether they're healthy and just can't get out of the car or, you know, later on down the road, this virus is changing the way people are looking at how they interact with other people. If you're sick, I don't want to go into a store and make other people sick. So if it's a good experience, it's a lasting experience. So are we going to see a pharmacy that looks like a Sonic? <laughs> going to see pharmacy techs on skates? Right. You might. I mean, we've been to plenty of small town pharmacies that have a soda stand. Maybe you see a list of your high valued OTCs there. or Maybe you're sitting in front of some type of screen that says these are recommended for you. And that's the, you know, when you, when you think about what's going on, there's still not a lot, of, a lot of people thinking about just the impact. You know, when restaurants open back up, they're going to open up with half as much people. Can they make money on half as much people? You know, what is a restaurant going to look like that's successful for the next two years? Uh, sure, yeah. Other, other thing they can, yeah, they can't just jack up their prices by double to make what they used to make, right? So you're right. They're going to have to create some other experience for sure to adapt and, and go, cool, let's offer a mix of curbside inside patio. I think you're going to like this summer, I think you're going to see this huge expansion into like, well, how do we make the outdoor part of our business better? And one to handle more people too. I bet Chick-fil-A is making more money today than they made before coronavirus because they're really, really good at drive-through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're the king of throughput on that. Well, you know, and the other interesting thing is, like the the little local pizza place in my neighborhood had an amazing patio. It was very family friendly where you can go out and, you know, just hang out on the patio. The place was always packed. They're doing amazingly well right now because they switched all of their deal over to doing like family meals at night. Um, you know, you can do call in, you go in, you pick it up, you leave. They started, you know, packaging where you could get your family meal plus a margarita pack or an old fashioned pack. 
I hope that doesn't go away. I know. Like, I, I, I will, I'll be so heartbroken <laughs> if that goes away. So good. That's one way for them to get money, right? If they can sell alcohol and right. I mean, they kept the same alcohol markup, and it was easier for them. They just package it and go, and like they have their little social distancing thing on the the ground where everybody's standing six feet apart, and half of my neighborhood standing six feet apart out there a couple nights a week getting food because their food's amazing and they figured out how to translate that into a really great to-go experience. So how does that translate? Really, what does the successful pharmacy look like? So we said they're doing curbside or delivery period. What else do they look like? I think they find a way to engage their patients through texting, through, you know, phone calls before things are ready. A lot of, you know, when you come and everything's ready to go, without having any kind of weird misses and you can have all of your over-the-counter meds that it changes how the efficiency changes how you feel about that interaction. Yeah. One of the things I worry with, with some of the stuff we're doing is, you know, are we just preparing our customers for an Amazon experience? But, you know, you talk to, I I talked to a pharmacist the other day and he had talked to his girl doing sync and he said, you know, two-way texting is taking off. You know, you can be personal with a more an asynchronous type texting experience that Amazon's never going to do. You're not going to have a personal relationship with somebody working in a big call center somewhere and who's going to understand your problems and who you are and you get a consistent person. They just it's just not their MO. Right. And it adds a whole different spectrum where my friends and I, my really good friends don't call me. Right? And we're going to text or do whatever and if you need to have a quick call, you will. But it opens up a whole different spectrum of people that want a personal local experience, but don't necessarily want to have a 10-minute phone call every month. Um, so I, I think a successful pharmacy, like two ways, two-way text messaging is huge. Like I would use that in a second. Yeah, I try to think about is there another industry where that's going on today where you're getting kind of personal two-way texting and there really isn't, right? Do you all have any experiences where you're experiencing work with a business where you're where it's more of a personal yeah. text. Yeah. The only time I've ever seen that was probably in like a car dealership, right? Where you're getting your car fixed or something. And there was this really cool experience around this video of, hey, John, I'm, I'm the technician with your car and I'm fixing it. This is what's wrong. And they're literally walking the camera over there and going, this is what's wrong and, and cool sign here for the to sign off on the job and things like that. That's probably more sophisticated experience, but but I, you know, that's the only type of other business I've been able to like locally two way communicate with a, with a text format, and it was all text. It was SMS, um, and, and felt and, and it made me want to go back, you know, because I still knew my technician. Um, I didn't have to pick up the phone and call him. I didn't have to try to make a phone call when he's called. I didn't have to try to pick up when he called. It was we could asynchronous get to each other when we could. It's a great experience. Yeah, I had the same with my car dealership, and it's. It's really great because it never fails. Your car's in the shop during business hours when you can't necessarily get away and and take a 10-minute phone call, but you can text whenever you've got a few seconds back and forth. Um, And I still remember, you know, working retail pharmacy behind the counter is just the phone all the time, ringing, ringing, ringing. After 12 hours of that, you're probably not as personable on the phone as you were when you started, but you know, that, that emotion can't necessarily, you can hide behind that with text and you can sound chipper even after you've worked a really long, hard day. So I think it gives you an extra layer of person, personality and, you know, kind of 
customized experience that it's expected now. So what we're saying is that we think for the pharmacy 2022 that survives this has got to be doing some type of delivery or cur uh, delivery curbside or drive through and they've got to be texting because they've got to replace this personalization that's going to be removed by these people not coming into the store and shooting the breeze with the ability to 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 talk. Yep. And, and to an extent there may be some, you know, we're in that first layer of texting now. And you may get to a point where you have a video conference with your patients about some really complicated counseling that may even add a bigger layer of privacy. You know, you've got that personal interaction, but some, you know, there aren't a lot of pharmacies that have a really amazing counseling room where you can go in and chat and sit down and do all of that. But if you can do a kind of a telehealth style video chat with a patient, it, it could potentially change the game as well. So it's just adding on one layer after another of kind of asynchronous conversations with patients texting, video, all of that doesn't take away from the personalized approach of community pharmacy. It just adds to it. Right. It just multiplies it because now you get to hit everybody where they are or where they want to be, right? Like some, you may have a patient that just wants to text. You may have a patient that wants the video, that wants the phone call, whatever it is. You, you got all those options in front of you. Yeah. And I think it makes everybody's experience better. You get to hit them exactly where they want to be. What, what about telehealth? What happens with the whole telehealth? And I, I think if you've ever used telehealth, it, it's going to explode. You know, I, a couple of months was a couple of months ago. I was sick, and I was considering to go to urgent care because, of course, I was sick at like six thirty at night. And we'd been talking, so I, I just tried out a telehealth. It was I did it from my office. It took twenty minutes, and it was an amazing experience. Where if I'd gone to urgent care, I would have sat there for half an hour after they called me from my online waiting experience. And it they're just never that good. And so I think once you start using telehealth and get used to what it can do, right? You're not going to go to telehealth for a broken arm, but, you know, I might have flu. Hey, you can do a test at your local pharmacy to get that result, all of that happens at your time, at your convenience, and you're going to get good advice from qualified physicians to do it. I, I think telehealth explodes. What about a wellness visit? Could you do a wellness visit with pharmacy? I mean, I don't see why not, especially, you know, we're starting to see a lot more technology that you can use um, digital instrumentation to check blood pressure and heart rates. Um, you could have your labs drawn at a lab outside of your doctor, have the information shared with them. Like it's, the biggest miss on wellness visits has historically been being able to see inside your throat, your nose, your ears, and be able to accurately determine things like um, listening to your heart and your lungs. But there are diagnostic tools that are making that even more possible now. So I don't see any reason why the next year or two you couldn't do a well check at home. Anybody want to talk about Amazon? <laughs> I guess we kind of did a little bit around did, them right? killing Circuit City. So I think they're hiring 100,000 people, over 75,000 people. They already hired. Lots of retail is going to go out of business, right? Yeah, I mean, and some of that's true. But, you know, again, there there are examples of retail places that have done well in spite of Amazon. 
I think Amazon's been really effective at culling the weak. You know, like places that didn't deliver good experiences, they didn't have great product selection. Um, I mean, Amazon's not even the cheapest at things anymore. It's just they're super, super convenient. And if pharmacies or other retail outlets can find a way to be really convenient and provide an experience, um, I mean, if you've ever had a problem with something at Amazon, it's a nightmare to resolve. So there, there are ways to get around their model and their kind of massive structure that retail pharmacies can do well with. Um, but some of them will probably die if they don't respond and adapt to change. Yeah. I, I look at like two, two like company examples could be like fries, right? To me, they're on the verge of, I, I think they're looking at five. So they're on the verge to me of collapse because you can get almost everything. You have. If you're going to go stick your hand and go pick out some like things like cords or Ram or whatever, right? You're, you can just get that in a better experience from Amazon. You could literally just look at it on a page. Okay. That's what I need. Here's the specs I have. It's like Circuit City kind of bombed. That's kind of what they did. Here's a stack of our TVs. Pick one. Um, and, and that's where like Container Store, I think, you can find a lot of those things in Container Store um, on Amazon, but the Container Store experience is super good, right? You go in and they show you everything, almost everything they have in Container Store, how it would look and fit in your home. So it's just, can you buy some of those same things? Sure, but... The, the container store experience for, for just being in there shopping. I would know my wife's super. Uh, I'm just saying, Marsh is, is saying you talking about how much you love container store. I think you have a, I think you have a, a husband wife trip to container store coming up. Yeah. <laughs> I think y'all are meeting there on your way home. <laughs> I love the business model and what they're doing. I, 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 I hate that place. <laughs> 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 no, but yeah, so I like what Josh said. I think Amazon kills those guys like fries where you can go stick your hand in a bag of screws, right? And go, cool, I need these. Um, you know, they're, they're, but not the people who just figure out a way to create a different experience or a different niche. Right. Oh, and the interesting part about what Amazon did with that stuff, they're just the new boogeyman, right? They're, the world changes and it constantly has been changing. It just, you can put a name and a face on it now, but you know, innovative pharmacies have always done well and they'll continue to do so. Um, those who want to just fill and bill that time is gone, right? You know, pharmacy has to deliver more value to the healthcare system. And if they don't, they'll go away and probably rightfully so, you know, like, there's, you know, a million people that are ready to, without taking a state law and saying a pharmacist has to do this, they could eliminate it, right? A pharmacist doesn't need to be doing immunizations. That should be done by a tech or a medical assistant. A pharmacist doesn't need to be looking at the pills that were put in the bottle by the robot that doesn't make mistakes. So pharmacists that adapt to, you know, really managing people's medications and their disease states will do well and they'll be ready to keep going. The ones who refuse to get away from, I'm going to stand behind my bench and never leave. They're right. I'm going to do data gone. entry. Right. Yeah. Like a, a pharmacist who won't let their technicians do data entry or fill they're, they're done. 
And that might be my controversial statement of the day. That might be your controversial <laughs> statement. <laughs> That's good. If you're doing data entry, you're done. We all get one. I don't know if I have one yet. I don't yeah, what's your one. controversial statement? I, I don't I don't think I have one yet. Container storage sucks. Yeah. That's controversial <laughs> We're getting a letter. <laughs> I'm going to write them a strongly worded letter. We're getting a letter. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Catalyst Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe and give a five-star rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. To keep up with the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow PioneerRx on your preferred social media platforms.